You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. How many of you have walked on water lately? Probably not. Maybe when it was 15 below and the rivers and lakes were frozen over, but uh, not right now. But uh, we know that that is something that actually happened in the earth when Jesus walked on water. And we know that uh, it was a miracle that stirred the hearts of the disciples and was recorded in Scripture and is something we reflect on today, knowing that God is a God of the supernatural, the God of the impossible, and He's longing to do marvelous and mighty things in our life. And, and we're excited to be here today and to be able to share with you from the Word of God. I just want to uh, welcome everyone, especially if you're visiting for the first time. We're so delighted that you could be here. Uh, our son surprised us this morning and showed up for service. And so we're glad to have Nathan be on the team this morning and, and ministering to us. So what a blessing to have him here. And, and uh, great to have all of you here. Uh, spring break is a time when people in Wisconsin like to head south and get out. And so there's a few people still out, and hopefully they'll be back in time for work tomorrow. But we're glad you're here this morning. This morning, I just wanted to share a couple of things before we get into our message. Uh, first of all, uh, to give you a spring break report. Should I do that? Uh, Pastor Deb and I and the, uh, the girls and Ricky, we drove down to Atlanta, Georgia. And there we were with uh, Bishop Wellington Boone. And we were there for an event where he released and installed uh, Bishop Garland Hunt to be the senior pastor of the church, which is called the Father's House. And this was an a, a uh, interesting event. I actually serve as part of the Fellowship of International Churches <clears throat> with Wellington Moon. <clears throat> and part of the leadership team, uh, we see the importance and the significance of, of releasing uh, you know, ministry to the next generation and, and raising up a, a work of God that can continue in the earth. And, and uh, Garland Hunt is actually the former uh, Department of Corrections uh, uh, leader in the state of Georgia. He actually served there for a number of years, and he also recently resigned as the president of Prison Fellowship. But just a, a, a marvelous man of God with a real heart to impact today's culture and generation. So we were part of that event, and uh, from there we actually went on to Savannah, Georgia, and little did we know that uh, they have a real big St. Patrick's Day parade. In fact, uh, the population of Savannah is only about 175,000, and 1.3 million people show up for that event. And the parade lasts for three hours. So that was uh, quite interesting. There were military processions. There was all kinds of high school bands and, and coming through there. But it was an interesting time. We were able to hook up with Pastor Mike and Karen Holman. They're from Jacksonville, Florida. <clears throat> Excuse me. They drove up to meet us and spend uh, some time with us there. And we actually serve on their church board in Jacksonville. So uh, it's a blessing to connect. <clears throat> we also stopped in Nashville on the way home. Spent some time there, got to get together with the Huckabuses and some other friends. And so it was an interesting time. We actually, uh, last Sunday we were with uh, Pastor uh, 
Jesson Franklin at the Free Chapel, a powerful church, powerful ministry, and just had a wonderful time. But we're glad to be back. Got in at 4.30 yesterday morning after driving through the night, but we're ready to go and uh, dig our feet in and uh, do what God's called us to do. Amen. So this morning, I brought something that you might enjoy and maybe not. Um, (laughs) uh, It's actually something that might cause you to chuckle. But there's a man that was just recovering from surgery when the surgical nurse actually uh, comes into the room and asks him how he's feeling. And um, he totally said, you know, I'm feeling okay, but... I didn't like the four-letter words, word that the doctor used in surgery. And, you know, sometimes now with surgery, sometimes we're, you know, kind of halfway out. You know, they can do stuff, and we're not totally uh, put under. Yeah, but in this case, uh, he heard a four-letter word he didn't like. In, in fact, the doctor used it several times. It was oops. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah. All right. Well, if that didn't go over, uh, I was raised in a dairy farm, and we had cows, and we would have to milk those cows twice a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So I have a little bit of experience in doing that, and we have some in the congregation that do as well. How many dairy farmers do we have out there? Just wave, okay? I can totally relate to you guys, gals. But um, what do you call a cow that won't give milk? Anybody know? A milk dud, of course. (laughs) No, actually, we used to call them dry. They were just dry. If they didn't give milk, they were dry. Okay, so, and uh, but hopefully this sermon won't be dry this morning. Okay, so uh, last week we were privileged to have Pastor Paul Shirk ministered the Word of God, and, and he ministered the Word with such passion, talking about expectation, and if you were not able to be here, I encourage you to check the message out on the podcast online. I believe you will truly be inspired. Uh, he presented an opportunity for us as individuals to become part of the, Nat, the Northern Christian Alliance, which is actually a prayer movement in the state of Wisconsin, and there's brochures at the Welcome Center if you're interested in checking that out. But he showed the importance and the need and the conviction of praying for our state, praying for our leaders, praying for the condition of our land. And I believe that God is wanting to bring revival to our state. And we have a responsibility as believers to uh, pray, to intercede, and join our faith together uh, for that to happen and to, for that to occur. So I wanted to also mention that this is almost our two-month anniversary since we have relaunched and changed our name to Refuge. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. Okay, that's... <clears throat> I believe, and I want you to look at Psalms 46, verse 1, because we know that God is a refuge for us. And Missy's testimony stirred my heart because it took me back to the course of events that uh, were around the death of her daughter. And, and I can't help but... Uh, recognize the fact how God came on the scene during that most difficult time. And, and certainly, as we see in Psalms 46.1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, 
always ready to help in times of trouble. I believe it's becoming more and more apparent that we're living in a troubled time. All you have to do is turn on the news and, and you hear of events and, and you see the horrible things and horrific things that, that are happening in our world. I'm not sure if you've uh, recently heard about the Craigslist incident in, in Longmont, Colorado. A mother that was seven months pregnant responded to an ad uh, of a lady that was selling baby clothes. When she went to the home, she was attacked, beaten, and, and the woman actually cut her belly open and took out her child. The mother survived, but the baby didn't. And you wonder, how can these horrible things be happening? It, it, it only tells us more how we need to connect with God because God doesn't want to remain an outsider. He wants to be invited and involved in our lives to make a difference. In Psalms 34, verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. What that's speaking of is having an encounter, having an experience to actually come to know who Jesus is. It goes on to say, oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. There's a joy, there's an encounter, there's an experience that you can have when you find Jesus as your refuge. And that's the, really, the, I believe, the driving force of, in, in the intent that God has to name us refuge because I believe that he's appointed us as a refuge for people in troubling times. And so I'm excited about what God is doing and, and, and your part and your role in it. Coming up, I just want to remind you to pick up one of these invite cards for I've Decided. In fact, I want to challenge you this morning. I, I think Amanda did a great job and Daniel did a great job uh, promoting this event. But I want to challenge you personally to invite someone and bring them to church if, if they don't have transportation, if they can't get here on their own, because we want to see this place full, because we believe that there's people that need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. It will make a difference in their life. Our recommended reading for this month is uh, two books we're featuring, Christ the Healer, which is a classic. We encourage you to have, get a copy of this. Uh, it will be a great blessing to you. And then also next week, Bruce Fennett is coming, and, and he's written a book called A Miraculous Life. And this is filled with amazing testimonies of what he's experienced in his own life and what he's seen God do through others. And, and we're excited about Bruce being with us next week. And uh, Bruce is a part of this church. His family is a part of this church. And we're so honored and privileged to be able to partner with them in the calling that's upon their lives. And, and so we're very ex excited about next Sunday. We've been talking about miracles. And uh, I've really, in, these, in this series, have, have attempted to build a case for miracles. Because we're living in a society that is, is trying to diminish the mighty hand and the working of God in the earth. There, there's so much uh, unbelief in, in the day that we're living in that is trying to uh, uh, cause people to not look to God for help in time of need, but to look to government, to look to other avenues, to look to science. And, and certainly there may be answers to be found through government or through science, but we need to direct people to look to God. 
a God of miracles, a God of signs and wonders that is longing to move in the earth. We have determined that a miracle is a supernatural intervention of God. We've actually defined it as such. A miracle is a divine operation that actually transcends what is normally perceived as natural law. There is not always a natural explanation for what God does. And so that's always interesting. Now, you might ask uh, the question, um, are we supposed to believe in miracles? The answer is yes. Do you need a miracle? The answer is many times yes. Maybe you need a miracle today. Maybe you believe in God for something today. We need, I believe, as believers, we are to develop a miracle mentality. And what's a miracle mentality? It's simply to have a mindset to believe God. Because if you're a believer, then what do believers do? They believe God. And, and the God that we serve is a God of miracles. He's a God of signs. He's a God of wonders. The pattern we see in Scripture reveals him as such. And you, you can't help but begin to read through the page of the Bible and you see miracle after miracle, signs and wonders that God has performed, revealing his character, revealing his heart and his nature towards mankind. Today, in part four of this series, we want to talk about the name of Jesus. In his name, in his name, what is accomplished in and through the name of Jesus? I want to encourage you, by the way, of, of challenging your faith to begin to see the significance of the name of Jesus and how you and I are to relate to that in our life. In fact, um, when we talk about the name of Jesus, there's something we call name recognition. We need to recognize the significance and the power and the authority that is in the name of Jesus. I think I mentioned some time back that the name of Jesus is the most abused name on this earth, and it's the most used name on this earth. However, believers use the name of Jesus, but the world abuses the name of Jesus. It has been, become nothing more than a derogatory curse word for some where they use the name of Jesus to, out of frustration, out of anger, in a negative connotation. And that's the wrong way to use, that's the wrong way to speak the name of Jesus. But as believers, we revere, we honor, and we hold the name of Jesus precious and dear. And yet, there's something we need to understand about the use of the name of Jesus and the power that's released when we speak his name. Something occurs. Heaven responds. And miracles happen when we speak the name of Jesus. I can remember just a few years ago, we had hosted Paul Wilbur, and we had a full house. We had a powerful ministry time in God's presence through worship and praise praise and worship, and uh, everyone had gone to the house, and we, during the time we were getting this major snowstorm, and, and there was about six inches of snow on, on the highway right out here, and uh, Deb calls me, he says, Matt, you need to get home, and I was still here visiting with people, and, and I said, okay, I'm, I'm on my way, and I'm thinking, okay, I got to get home quick, and not realizing that I'm driving too fast for the conditions. And I'm, I'm maybe about just uh, 
600 feet out here, and I'm putting the gas down, and all of a sudden, my back end starts fishtailing, and at that time, we had a, a Dodge Caravan. And that thing started fishtailing this way, and it started going this way, and all of a, and, and all of a sudden, it went a full 360 degrees. And didn't stop. I kept spinning, going down the road, and I immediately cried, Jesus! <laughs> I called out on his name. And before I knew it, as I'm spinning, I'm flying backwards, going probably 50 miles an hour. And there's another car coming. <laughs> and the vehicle actually goes backwards and goes off the road. And it went in the shallow part of a ditch right in somebody's driveway, and it goes between two trees, and I stopped right before the, the garage, a, a detached garage, detached garage next to the house. And I was just sitting there. I, nothing was wrong. It hurt my pride, maybe, but I was okay. The person that was driving stopped. They came out, are you okay? So I can't believe what I saw. You were spinning around, you went off the road, and you're fine. I was able to drive out and go back on the road and go home. But it was the name of Jesus I called upon in that moment that saved me, that delivered me. And something a little more recent. My parents, I love them. Mom's not here. She wasn't feeling well this morning. She just got out of the hospital. She is dealing with some pneumonia, just a minor thing. Just She... Oh, it does it. And say, come on, mom, slow down, slow down. But um, so sometimes slow down, you know, you have to just slow down. Anyway, last August, mom called complaining of some severe chest pains. And so we got into emergency and the doctors thought she's having a heart attack. Something's going wrong here. They put an ambulance, rushed her to Marshfield. And so... They got her situated there, we got her situated there, and then I, I called Dad, I said, Dad, you want me to uh, pick you up, we'll go visit her? He says, no, I'm just going to go to bed, and you know, it was getting later in the evening, and, and I said, are you sure, Dad, you, you, you don't want me to come over there and just be with you for tonight? He said, no, no, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. So I said, I'll call you first thing in the morning, I'll pick you up, we'll go see Mom. And so I called him, no answer. And my dad's good at answering the phone. I called a few minutes later, answer, and then I finally say to Deb, I, I need to go over there and check on him. And, and so I go there, and I have my own way of getting into the house, and key, and, and uh, I call out, Dad, are you okay? Are you there? And he said, yeah. And there he was laying on the bathroom floor, and I says, Dad, what happened? He said, well, I, I fell. I said, well, how long have you been there? About 30 minutes. I walked into his bedroom, and I, I looked at his bed. It, it was still made. He hadn't slept in it. I said, okay, Dad, how long you been there? All night? I just can't get up. And so, well, we got him up, and uh, Deb came over. We made, you know, some breakfast and took care of him and said, okay, Dad, you know, we'll uh, come check on you later and, uh, and go, go see Mom. And so he got up after we left, and he fell a second time. And uh, we, we had called him, and then Deb went over there and found him on the floor. And, and so we ended up taking him into emergency because he couldn't remember 
and uh, doctors did the EKG and did some preliminary things, and they came up to her and I and says, your, your father's having a heart attack. We need to get him to Marshfield. I said, okay, you know, mom was just taken there uh, yesterday. Now dad's being taken there today. He says, could they share the same room? <laughs> so we don't know if we can do that. They were able to manage and put him in the next room at the Marshfield Hospital. So we get him there, and, and so it's now like 1.30 in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, and they're doing all these tests. Doctor finally comes back and says, there's nothing wrong. He's not having a heart attack. But what happened when, when, when the doctors at St. Michael's here told me that dad was having a heart attack, immediately we began to speak the name of Jesus over him. Immediately we began to speak the name of Jesus over his heart and command his heart to be whole, to be healed. And it only took the trip to Marshfield in the ambulance for God to show up and do that miracle. They actually kept them there for a couple of days. And the same with mom. Backing up a little bit, we prayed for her heart too. And they kept her there for a couple of days, couldn't find anything wrong with her. Couldn't find anything wrong with dad. Um, so they released him, they sent him home. But dad went through a period of time of rehabilitation just to regain his strength because of uh, you know, his stability. And, um, but uh, he's getting stronger. And it's, it's hard to keep this guy down. He's wanting to do things to him saying, you know, <laughs> we can do this for you. But recently, they sold their home. They're in a senior living community right now, so there's no steps that they have to negotiate and work on. But, um, you know, I, I have seen the name of Jesus, and this is just one testimony miracle. I've seen it work many, many times uh, where God's intervened and done marvelous things. I've seen people that have been called to, to pray as they were dying. The families gathered together. They just took them off life support. Said, okay, could you pray that he peacefully goes? And I couldn't pray that he peacefully went. This was a man a number of years ago. God raised him up and healed him from a little deathbed. We, we've seen God move in that way time and time again. So you can't tell me that God doesn't do miracles. Not only have I experienced them in my own life, but I have seen God work miracles in the lives of others. And, and we see the word of God is so strong when we really come to understand miracles, their purpose and place in the earth. So we need to examine Jesus' miracle ministry filled time on the earth and realize that time that Jesus was on the earth, he came to seek and to save the lost. But his heart and compassion was to minister to sick and afflicted people, people that were hurting, people that were distressed, people that were without hope. And we see in, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 15, it says, great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. He healed them all. He didn't turn anyone away. Matthew uh, tells us this in Hebrews 13, 8, the scripture tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in fact, his heart and attitude for healing when he walked this earth is not changed. He desires to heal today. And, and we realize that there's, there's this thing called faith that appropriates God's healing provision in our lives. This thing called faith 
this believing ability that is the essence of us putting our faith and trust in God and his word so that we can receive what he wants to do in our life. It takes faith, people. It takes faith. And sometimes faith is, is something that's hard to understand or grasp for some people because they're so analytical in their thinking that, okay, they try to analyze rather than believe and trust. On one side, you have the analytical mind, which is good. We need to analyze things. We need to weigh them out. We need to uh, you know, have a good intellect. But we can't let that intellect, we can't let that analytical mind stand in the way of faith. The ability to believe God. Because faith believes the unseen. Faith is the substance of things hopeful and the evidence of things not seen. Concerning Jesus in Acts 10.38, we see a very powerful passage. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. See, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He came in this earth as a man, but he was anointed by the Spirit of God. And he came to be an example for us because you and I can be anointed of God to carry out the ministry of Jesus in this earth because we are the present ministry of Jesus in this earth right now. You might say, well, what does that mean? He's commissioned us. He's authorized us to carry on what he started almost 2,000 years ago. And we're going to see that as we look at some of the scriptures here. Jesus started it. In fact, John eleven forty seven says, Then the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council together. The religious people of the day, they said, Okay, let's get our heads together here. This Jesus guy, he's messing things up for us. He's getting in the way of our strategic plan of you know, our religion, and, you know, religion is okay as long as it stays true to the word, okay? As long as it doesn't do its own thing that's contrary to the word, all right? And so we see Jesus, or these guys getting together, they said, what are we going to do? They ask each other, this man certainly performs many miraculous signs. So what are we going to do about these miracles? We can't deny them but he's doing them. But yet they determined to stop him from doing these miracles, these miracle signs. So Jesus started this thing. He began to allow people to get their faith in a God that wanted to do wonderful things in their lives. We also see then, and in, in, in actually, where the apostles continued it, in Acts 2.43, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So God was doing miracles through the apostles, through the disciples of Jesus. And then in Acts chapter 3, we see a classic passage. And in this passage, it's, it's amazing because it reveals something about the name of Jesus. And it really helps us to understand the significance of the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 3, we want to look at this. Starting at verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. In other words, they're going for a prayer meeting. We're going to go to the temple and pray. On the way to the prayer meeting, in verse 2, it says, A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they had laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple. In other words, there's this lame man sitting there begging. That was his source of revenue. There wasn't welfare. There was just this can. He was begging alms, and people would 
out of conviction and compassion, they would give him something. That was his means of support. And so here he is begging. He, he has an anticipation, he has an expectation that Peter and John are going to give him something. Okay? Let's read on. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms? He wasn't afraid to ask. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Oh, now this is a twist because we don't want people to look at us, do we? Well, if your life is filled with Christ, if you're anointed and filled with the power and the presence of God, that means you have something that you can impart, something you can give. The problem is we haven't had anything to give people that they really need. And, and, and who would we be to say, look at us? But that's what they did. They said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. So his expectation level is up. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. In other words, if you're looking for an offering, if you're looking for a handout, I don't have it. I'm broke, you know? And so, but look what it goes on to say. But what I do have, I give to you. That means he had something to give. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Verse 8, so he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Verse 10, then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. A miracle happened. This guy they saw begging. Can you imagine all the people in the temple that had passed him by now see this guy running, leaping, praising God? So, you know, now the end of the story is they preached, 5,000 people got saved. It's always a great outcome in that. But it's interesting because we drop down to verse 16. And Peter's message to the people that gathered, because of the, the witness of this sign, this miracle, this wonder, his response was in verse 16, and his name, named Jesus, through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes to him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So, Peter and John are quick to acknowledge the source of the healing, the source of the power and the strength and the might that comes. Now, there's a woman sitting here this morning. Her name is Linda Regalia. This was a woman that the doctors thought was brain dead, was in a coma, but we knew better. And we... And a bunch of other believers continued to pray and speak the word of God, speak the name of Jesus over her life until one day she wakes up to the amazement of the doctors. It's a miracle that she's alive. She shouldn't be alive according to medical science. She shouldn't be alive, but she is as a testimony of the power of God in the name of Jesus. Linda, why don't you wave at us? Wave back there. God bless you. Amen. You need to get her testimony. But you need some time because she'll preach to you. 
Okay. <laughs> now, one chapter over in Acts chapter 4, verse 10, the Pharisees and the religious leaders got upset with this miracle, and, and so they actually arrested Peter and John, pulled them to the side, and they, they gave them a stern warning. In Acts chapter 4, verse 10, it says, And let it be known to you all and to the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Before the council, this was their statement. Because the religious leaders forbid Peter and John to speak in the name of Jesus. In verse 17, because they didn't want this to spread any further among the people. So they threatened them that they would no longer speak to any man in the name of Jesus. See, there's those forces that are trying to silence us from using the name of Jesus. Now, we realize that this continued with others. These miracle signs and wonders continued with others. Stephen in Acts 6-8 performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. In Acts 8-13, we see Philip performing great signs and wonders as in his ministry. It also continued with Paul. In, in Acts chapter 19, verse 11, I was a, a verse for this. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. Now, it also is to continue with us. It's to continue with you and me. In Mark chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus said, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. We see in John 14, 12, Jesus makes a statement. And this, this used to challenge me, even as a young Christian, I'd read this and I would pause. I'd say, Lord, what does this mean? What does this mean? How does this relate to me? Let's look at John 14, 12. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do shall he do also, or will he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. See, Jesus was going to change positions, but he was releasing his anointing, his authority to those that would follow him, those that would believe in him, those that would serve him. When I look at that, how can it be that Jesus wants me to do the works that he did? See, this is the message that there's some believers that just can't grasp, they can't get a hold of this because they say, no, no, this can't be me. But yet this is the scripture, this is the word of God. We need to look at this seriously. See, you need to understand that you've been given authority to use the name of Jesus. As a believer, you have the right to use the name of Jesus. You have the power of attorney. The power of attorney, the power of attorney gives you the right to act on behalf of another legally. Now, if something should happen to my parents, I have the power of attorney to write checks from their checking account. It's enacted when they're in a place when they can't do that, then I can. I can pay their bills. I can write checks on their behalf to take care of their personal needs. Okay? Jesus has given us as believers, the power of attorney, the right to use his name. And, and I want to challenge you. I don't have time to get into all of it this morning, but if you do a study on the name of Jesus, there's a, there's a great book by Kenneth e. Hagin on the name of Jesus, but it helps you to understand the delegation of the power and the right to use his name. 
the name of Jesus. We see in Luke 10, 19, Jesus is speaking and he says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus gives us authority over the power of the enemy. We don't have power over the power of the enemy, but we have authority over the power. And let me explain that. Um, if you are a police officer and, and maybe in the city, the traffic lights go out. And so people are coming to an intersection and there's no traffic light, and so it's kind of confusing. So they'll send a police officer to stand in the middle of that intersection. Now, I don't care if that guy is a Will Atlas kind of guy or if he's um, Barney Fife. What was the guy's name on Andy Griffin? Yeah, Barney. <laughs> Before some of your time, you know. Anyway, <laughs> if, if you are in that place as a directing traffic, guess what? An 18-wheeler has a whole lot more power than you do. And if for whatever reason that 18-wheeler doesn't want to stop and, and that officer puts his hand up, he can easily run him over. And you know, you might think, you're no match for the devil because his power and his ability might be stronger than yours, but you need to realize that he really is only power now is deception. But that officer has the right to say stop in the name of the law. And that 18-wheeler has to come to a grinding halt and stop until he gives permission to move through the intersection. That's authority. Authority over the power that that 18 wheeler has, that engine. How many horses is a general, generally a? 400 horsepower engine. No match for any officer that's standing in the middle of an intersection. But yet he has authority. We have authority to stop the power of the enemy. To bring him to a a halt, grinding halt, okay. Anyway, we want to pray. And I, I want to ask you this question because do you want God to use you to do the works of Jesus? If, if you do, then you need to understand the authority of the believer and begin, begin to exercise it because you need to know how to pray in the name of Jesus See, sometimes our prayer, we pray, we're begging God. We're pleading with God. But to pray with authority is to say, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over this sickness. In the name of Jesus, I take authority. You know, that is the exercise of authority. With some believers, it's like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. But you need to understand, as you study the scriptures, you find out that Jesus has given you the authority to use his name in his name. Let's bow our heads for a moment. I just want to pray. And I want you to be open to the concept of, of God using you to do his works in this earth. Can you imagine yourself praying for somebody who's sick and afflicted and speaking the name of Jesus over their sickness and disease and seeing them healed and restored by the power of God. To be a faithful ambassador, to speak the name of Jesus. 
Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to embrace a commission. When you commissioned the church, you didn't commission us without giving us authority to act on your behalf, to be a representative in this earth, to use the name of Jesus, to confront darkness, to use the name of Jesus to minister healing, to minister your power to deliver and set the captive free. How many of you would lift your hand and say, I want to do the works of Jesus. I want to see John 14, 12 fulfilled in my life. These works that he has done, I shall do also. Father, we pray. Father, we ask you to help us understand and grasp the commission to be an ambassador, Father, to work the works of, of Jesus in this earth, to minister your healing power to the sick and the afflicted, to come against oppression, to come against the force of darkness that would oppress the minds and hearts of people in the name of Jesus, to minister your power to heal and deliver and set the captive free. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.